Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast. I am one of your hosts, Charlie, joined by my regular co-hosts, Miguel and Haley. And we have a very special guest today. If you have been subscribed to the ConvertKit YouTube channel, you might have seen a film that we made about Kay and his story. But he's here on the show today to talk to us about his incredible open rates that he gets on his email newsletter ad read. So, Kehi, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you here. Thank you, Charlie and, and the gang. It's an honor to be here. And that video is, I mean, I just appropriated as my own marketing. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's great. We love hearing that. As you should. <laughs> as you should. <laughs> I honestly think that's where I got to learn more about your story um, for listeners who haven't watched the film. Kay used to work on Wall Street, right? And then mm. quit Wall Street to go all in on being a creator and working on rad reads. And that's pretty inspiring. And it just shows how being a creator is a legit job, y'all. Like you can do this thing now as your full-time, full-time living. <laughs> and the funny thing, your amazing team, they, I surf a lot. There was this big emphasis on like, let's get the shots of K surfing, but I'm a very like above average surfer. So like, you know, <laughs> mediocre. And so Henry goes out and gets these incredible lens. He drives across town in LA. If anyone's ever been there, that's like suicide. Did he drive or did he bike? Because I know Henry well, and I don't feel like he drove. Uber. Did he bike? Which makes it, oh, okay. He Ubered. Uber. <laughs> okay. Okay. He Ubers, gets this lens. It's like the kind they see at the US Open in the front row, you know? And I don't catch a single, I catch like half of one wave <laughs> and the current's pulling me like half a mile south. So Henry's like moving up and down the shoreline, <laughs> like surfing fail. Yeah. <laughs> In the final film, it, I got the impression that you were a good surfer. So maybe that was Henry's filmmaking. <laughs> that half a wave I caught, he made it look really good. <laughs> well, uh, let's get into our first segment of the show. Have you heard where we talk about things happening in the creator industry? Haley, do you want to kick us off? I'm going to start off with a different have you heard, though, that I didn't tell you guys about. Ooh, a surprise one. <laughs> a surprise one. All right, friends. For those of you that show up live, which everybody should show up live, if you have shown up live over the last three months, you've seen me periodically go off screen <laughs> and then on mute and then back in and then off screen. And that's because summertime and my kids were home. And you know what? This is my first podcast where there are no kids in this household. So, you know, have you heard? I'm like, as a child-free person, am I allowed to cheer for that? (laughs) School (laughs) is back in. So that's a fantastic (laughs) have you heard or have you seen, depending on which way you're looking at it. My second have you heard is next week. If you are in the fintech space, finance blogger, anything of the sort, me and the rest of our team, like six of us, not the rest of our team, like six of us, (laughs) not everybody. We are going to be in Orlando of all places for FinCon. So if you're around, make sure you come say hi to us at that event next week. Love it. Orlando of all places. What is that supposed to mean? I grew up in Orlando. I was going to say, you were sending a little shade. Yeah. It's a hundred percent shade. Also, Miguel told me, he was like, who wants to go to Orlando in August? And I'm going next week, which is basically still August. So like, it's going to be very hot and very humid. Oh yeah. Going to insert a dot dad joke, hundred percent shade <laughs> and more like hundred percent humidity. <laughs> oh. oh, yes. <laughs> But yeah, you are taking your life into your own hands going to Florida in the summer, but you know, Godspeed. Yeah. So for me, um, I have you here it is. I've talked about Snapchat before and I thought I'd kind of bring it back full circle. So Snapchat 
is going to lay off 20% of its workforce due to slowdown and what they're citing is Apple competition. So you guys might remember that a while back, Apple started to push real hard on the whole privacy thing. And uh, Facebook has been moaning and groaning because basically Apple made it real easy for iPhone users to block a lot of the tracking that people that people are being tracked by with things like Facebook and Instagram for targeted ads. And it's, I know for a fact, Meta has taken over a $10 billion loss because of this Whoa. little prompt that people get where it's just like, no, I don't want to be tracked. But that one little thing basically was just like a shot across the bow to Meta. Well, Snapchat apparently also does targeted ads. It's been a while since I used Snapchat, but I do remember like every few stories, kind of like Instagram, you get fed some kind of an ad, right? Well, mm. now those will be hard. Those are harder to target, which means less money for Snap, which means 20% of their workforce uh, got mixed. So yeah, they've been having a hard go of it, but it's really interesting. The story of Snapchat is just another one of those stories of like somebody comes in kind of like TikTok is right now. They rewrite the playbook on what social media is and people like Twitter and everybody else copies the idea of stories and like things that go away. And now everybody has that feature. So then now Snapchat isn't really different anymore. And then now what is Snapchat? They've tried to do some physical products. Like they had like the, the hovering camera that was like a little mini drone that would like take they had the glasses, right? They had the glasses. And so they've been trying some physical products, but they haven't been doing so good either. So mm. I don't know. I'm not in the prediction business, but I wonder if Snapchat doesn't just get acquired at some point. But that's me. That's my have you heard. Or if it's a bit late for them. Well, I'll keep on the social media theme and go next and say, anyone want to guess what social media I'm going to talk about? Twitter. It's Twitter. Yep. I'm going to talk about Twitter. <laughs> Twitter piloted circles a while ago, which was sort of like Instagram's close friends feature where you can like just send a story to close friends. But Twitter circles is you can set up your circle and just tweet to them. And I'm really excited about it as a creator who uses Twitter a lot because there's sometimes things that you want to just say to people who know you or people you know, and you don't necessarily want to make it like part of your brand by talking about it to your wider wider audience. And so I'm definitely going to be setting up circles and using that just to talk to friends and like mutual mutual folks um, rather than a big broadcasting. And uh, I think it'll be a really good thing for the platform, for creators on it in particular, to to get more value from Twitter. Yeah. Okay. What have you got for us? Because we don't always so, expect our guests to bring a news item, but you thought of one straight off the top of your head. So what, what have we not heard? <laughs> so first we're going to, I'm going to high five Haley and we've got two kid-free households on this podcast. So <laughs> high five Haley, yes. bonus points for us because it's kindergarten. So like my oh. life has really changed. Oh, a little. really impact, real yeah, big change. So like mm -hmm. leveling up, like I joined like a powerlifting gym. So like, I got all this free time now. Like you literally <laughs> had my first barbell club workout. So that's uh, on the personal side. Then yesterday, just I love this like creator pop-ups. We can talk a lot about Twitter, how I use it for, for my strategy. But um, Jay Klaus, a fellow creator, put up something like, would someone buy a teardown, a one-hour teardown of their brand, their positioning, their websites, their social? And I'm just like, oh, fuck. Oh, I did. I was the Woo! first step bomb. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about other crews. I hate looking at my website. It's, it's bad. And a lot of, it's just the amalgamation of a lot of bad ideas and good ideas that I've had over, you know, the decade. So I'm like, I'd close my eyes and I would buy that. And then another friend, Thomas Frank, went in and said, not only will I buy it, I'll, I'll do it publicly. 
we'll do it publicly. And it was like, Tom comes in, guns are blazing. And I'm like, yo, fuck that. I'm in. I love Jay. So Jay fires up a, a page on ConvertKit Commerce, sells 10 in one day. So from like one tweet to four grand of revenue plus, Whew. which is even more important to me, product validation. I mean, it's 10 sample size is still quite small, but I was pretty impressed. Uh, it says a lot about the creator and the tools that he has, at his, he has access to. Yeah, I watched that play out in the Twitter thread, seeing it go from idea to, okay, well, put your money where your mouth is. People who are saying that you'd do this, here's a way to buy it. I love it. I didn't click buy on it myself yet, but only because I just recently joined Jay's community. And so I need to give my um, my credit card a little break at first. <laughs> 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 and then I'll be in there. But cool. Yeah. Well done, Jay, for making that happen. And I'm excited to hear what comes out of it for UK and what feedback you get from him, however much you feel like sharing when that happens. Uh, <laughs> I'll share it. I'll go, I'll go Thomas Frank style. I'll do it open source. Love it. All right. Well, let's get into talking about you some more. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Rad Reads to start with? Give us the like lay of the land of your business and where this high open rated email list fits in. Yes. My career was a tale of two cities. You know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. 14 years on Wall Street. I'll let you decide what, which category that fell under. But I basically had a you know midlife crisis at 35 years old. And I'm like, I'm not going to do this desk job forever. I uh, had this little newsletter, 36 people, a Gmail BCC, January 2015. And it was link blogging, right? And I'm like, here are five articles that you would like. And people were like, whoa, this is awesome. When's the next one? I'm like, no, this isn't a thing. I'm just, I just felt like doing this once. And they're like, when's the next one? When's the next one? So that was, uh, today we're hitting send on 357 issues. Whoa. Spanning the birth of two children, two trips around the world, a cross-country move. So yeah, it all started and still continues with email. Our mission is to help professionals lead a more productive, examined, and joyful life. And we do that through writing, through storytelling, and our main business is online courses. We teach a course called Supercharge Your Productivity, which helps you put that framework of how to live a more productive, examined, and joyful life into practice. And that's a cohort-based course. We're on cohort 11 that's launching in September. Wow. That's amazing. And uh, if I'm, I feel like I got these stats from your website, so they are hopefully correct, although maybe mm. not because you just said your website <laughs> maybe hasn't been updated. You got to add 8,000 to the subscriber count. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. So I have down here 36,000 email subscribers. Okay. 38,000. Okay. Nice. With a 50 to 55% open rate. Yeah. 53. So the majority of people who receive your emails open them. And I don't know if anyone listening to this I don't know why you're listening to a ConvertKit podcast when you don't do email, but hey, welcome if you are. <laughs> that is high for an open rate, right? Like, it's very high. I think mine sits at around like 30 something, 35%. And that like is kind of good <laughs> as well, just because there's so many emails reaching people's inboxes every day. And you've really got to like deliver a lot of value to stand out and be the one that people want to open. So first of all, congrats. What's like market rate for the average for kind of a business like mine, like a thought leadership type business solo? I wish that I knew. I'm that. not sure about the market rate. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you, um, so being more closely up against the support side of things at ConvertKit, I do know that when people are like in the high teens, we're telling them like, you're doing a good job. Like oh, wow. even that's above average. Like if you're in the twenties, like mm -hmm. keep doing what you're doing. If you're in the thirties, like Charlie, like 
Whoa. So like when you see something above 50%, you're just like, all right, what kind of voodoo magic's going on here? Let's wow. get this guy on the podcast. So, <laughs> But also when you see somebody at over 50% that has a list your size. That's another one too. The higher the list gets, you know, yeah. typically the lower that percentage, what that looks like. And so that's something to be really proud of. Oh, thank you. Can I add a little metric on there? Mm. Is that that includes the newsletter, but that also includes... So it's in... 4 million emails sent. I don't know wow. if you reset, if that's cumulative or if it resets every year. So that's 4 million emails sent. If it's cumulative, it's in September of 19. And that open rate includes all launch emails. So it's not just like my blast, like it, like there's a lot of selling in that number right. as well. That's even more important to think about. Like if you can talk to a group of 36,000 or 38,000 people, and more than half of them are listening to your sales pitch and like listening to what you have to say. Yeah. That is like super valuable. There's a fun story on that, which is, we should talk about this in the launch emails. I took this creative freedom and, and really like went crazy on the sequence, but we exclude alumni from this mm. like five day sequence. That sequence has a, like 50% open rate, but people will accidentally hit like unsubscribe from this sequence and they will send our help desk. They're like, please, can you put us back on the sequence? We like it so much. Wow. And then former students, they're like, hey, like I know you don't send this to old students because we already bought the course. They're like, is there a way you could add us to the sequence so that we can like read the emails? Wow. They're like people asking you for the, the pitch emails. For the sales email, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. What I just looked up while we were talking then is, from our own report that we produced of email marketing in 2022 based on stats across ConvertKit's platform, the average email open rate was actually 36%. Mm. So I don't know what that says about ConvertKit creators and having a higher open rate. Because our deliverability is so great. That's what it says. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, cool, I'm below average. I've got to <laughs> learn some things from Kay to get this up then. Um, yeah. Let's do it. What factors do you think contribute to this high open rate that you have? I would say, I mean, a big one is consistency. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting the, you know, sending an email at the same time, same format, same standard of quality uh, for so long. You know, I would, um, if you look at the numbers, I bet that a lot of those have been on the list for a very long time. So kind of serving, adding value. I always tell people, can you add value over many, many years? Like you become a part of someone's routines. There's this great story of like people in New York, you know, two dads uh, watching their kids play soccer Saturday morning, they pull out their phones, they look at their email and they look at each other, you know, like the glance at each other's phone. They're both reading, opening up rad reads because mm. it's, you know, nine Eastern. So you just become a part of people's behavior and habit. And that's by consistency and delivering value. The other, and this has evolved over time. I spend a lot of time on headlines or subject lines. Mm. We have this matrix called 10K work which is like basically takes any activity and deconstructs it into its highest leverage component. Like what's the thing? Like you're writing an email, it might take, you know, four hours. What is the highest leverage thing in that email? It's the subject line, right? Mm. You could write the most beautiful email, but if people aren't going to open it, what's the point, right? And so there's so much leverage. So I probably, and I got this, I used to work at a media company and you actually had to pitch a headline before you pitch the story. Like the headline was more important of a pitch than the story. So it really kind of trained you for that kind of style of mm -hmm. internet writing where people are like, you got to tell me 
there's no above and below the fold. You got to convince me in, I don't even know how many characters the headline is, is this in this many characters, why I should open this. Mm. So I would probably like, I don't send an email until I, so the email subject is an essay that I write. And so I don't write that essay until I found the framing for that essay. Mm. And the framing then informs the headline. And if I don't have a good headline that I'm like, people want to read this, I'm not writing the essay until I come up with a headline. Mm. How do you proof once you have that headline? How do you proof it? Do you have several iterations of it? Do you have a team that quality checks it? How does it evolve from your very first pitch or does it at all? Yeah. So there's no pitching here in the sense that it's like I'm pitching myself. Well, (laughs) at this point, it's become just intuition, Mm. right? I haven't like taught someone else how to do it. I will sometimes use Twitter to kind of tease out the ideas and the framings. I know James Clear does this a lot. Mm. If you go through James Clear's feed, Twitter feed, it is all market research for his book. It's like title research, subheader research, chapter names, framings for acronyms. Like, and you just, he'll do something like, what is, what brings you the most leverage? And you can see that it's like kind of engaging in certain ways. So So I sometimes will use Twitter both for the idea development to see if people care about the idea. And then I'll drop in a tweet just to kind of like test for the engagement level on the tweet. I won't say like, do you like this headline or this headline better? But I'll kind of like use the headline framing. I don't A-B test because I wouldn't have enough time for the... I want the emails to all land at the same time. So Mm -hmm. I don't actually do A-B testing. But to answer Haley's question, a lot of it at this point has become intuition where you just kind of Mm. know as an artist, you're like, that's the one or that one Mm. needs help. And then I go back and I kind of like look at open rate because the open rate is a very good judge of how good your subject line was. So I'll kind of go back and I'm like, eh, that one like was 46%. So, um, you know, what did something happen or do I think it's headline related? But it's very, that part's very unscientific. Mm. Measly 46%. (laughs) Like (laughs) drop. 7% underperformance. Complete failure. Yeah. (laughs) No, I love what you said about using Twitter as market research, because I tend to use Twitter as just dumping all of my thoughts all of the time. And I think I would like to get, you know, a little bit more strategic with it at times. How do you do that? How do you use Twitter to test the idea for a headline without like giving away, I guess, the value of the essay that you haven't yet written either? Mm. Yeah. How might we do this? I mean, I use Twitter as just a dumping ground as well, right? Pictures of my kids. Oh, great. So I can still do both. Good to know. Yeah. There are people who use Twitter very strategically. And and to me, Twitter is like a part of my body, right? It's just like, it's kind of me. I feel you. And so I I don't want to do too much like A-B testing in Twitter, Mm -hmm. but they're just like genuine questions. So like one of my more popular posts in the past couple of weeks was about, it was something. So normally it starts with an observation of mine. It could be like, oh, my friend just bought this huge house and he's like my best friend, but I was kind of jealous. And I'm like, oh, okay, if I feel that, then like, I'm sure someone else has felt that, but like specifically about your friends, not just like, you know, watching, you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio or someone. Selling sunset. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have this kind of kernel of the thought and I have this, this editorial calendar. I mean, it's really just like ideas of essays in Notion. I never really reference it because as soon as it comes up, I just go in and test it. And so I forget what the tweet was. It's like, do you ever get jealous of your friend's wins? Question mark. Right. And so then that thread like 
blew up, nice. right? It was just like all these people were like, yeah, and this happened and this happened, this happened. So this is more research. Like, do people even care about this idea? Mm. And then after that, I repurposed that tweet or I created another tweet that was like, if you're jealous of your friends, when like, what strategies have you used to cope? Right. And so people like started. And again, it was like pretty high engagement. So I'm like, people, this like friend envy thing, like people really are into this idea. Mm-hmm. And so then all of these ideas like, oh, like I like one that I thought was super cool. If you're envious, you're like, well, if, if you're envious of Britney Spears, you know, like her house. Right. Well, you got to take everything that comes with Britney Spears. You can't just have her house. You got to have her dad. You got to have her sister. Mm. You got to have like her crazy ex-husbands. Right. And so it's just like and, you know, I never like I never would have thought of that about that. And so I'm like, oh, this is like a cool little story that I'll put into the blog post. Then I turn that into a tweet thread where basically it's the outline Mm. of the essay. Right. So it goes from like random idea. Do people even care to like engage them a little bit more on like how to's and more vivid examples and then write it like frame it as a little tweet storm and i'm very bad at tweet storms like i do a lot of them but they don't get this like crazy you know like seven thousand retweets like dickie bush and justin welsh and and all those folks uh mine get like 10 retweets if i'm lucky but that forms the basis of my essay for the week Mm. that upcoming week and then i just flush out the essay as a blog post, which is also kind of like the anchor of my newsletter. And this long-winded way of saying is like, people love the essays in my newsletter. And that is a very, I've probably been doing this process. It doesn't happen every week because this one, all the stars align. But that is where you know, you're like, okay, people care about the idea. Then you are actually adding value. Then you do the actual work. The tweet storm for that one actually didn't do that well. Uh, then you write the essay, but it's basically like 80% written. You just kind of like fill mm. in the blanks. Then you drop it in LinkedIn, you know, like you cross post it and all that. So that's kind of like how like an idea comes from like random thought, like I felt something weird, right, or felt something in me. And if I felt it, someone probably felt that too, some point. And then Twitter is like, nope, no one's ever felt that. And so you're like, okay, next idea. And Twitter <laughs> says, oh, lots of people have felt that. You're like, let's double down and kind of keep iterating in that process. I haven't told you how I came up with the headline there. In that specific case, it wasn't the best headline, but I often use like how to. So I think the headline for the subject line was how to avoid the envy trap. Mm. Mm. Right. So like a how to, like how to is usually like a pretty, how to followed by something not so common, right? is usually like a solid mm. hook because you're like, oh, I'm going to get something. Well, I want to go read that now because I think uh, like the rest of the world, we all suffer from the envy trap every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So then I have like a bunch of different like formulas that I will use for some, like we're still talking about subject lines. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll often try to like, if there's something like really zeitgeisty happening, then I always try to peg the headline to the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. And I'll actually change it in WordPress later because the zeitgeist comes and goes. So my audience knows any week where there's a new release Pixar movie, like I'm going to be writing uh. about that Pixar movie as a hook into some idea that I want to share. So like when Encanto came out, you know, there was the, the Luisa, the strong older sister. And it was like that song. Um, Sing it for us. 
<laughs> I was going to, then I'm like, there are people like listening to this besides the three of us. <laughs> anyway, Luisa has a song. It will come back to me. Haley might remember this one. But one of the lines in the song is, the, you know, how do I overcome the crushing weight of expectations? And so that became the headline. You kind of come in. That one was probably a little insider baseball-y, but you know, you could even say like what soul taught me about my fear of death, mm. right? Like the movie Soul, mm-hmm. right? So right there, you're cheating in a way because like 100% of your audience knows that Soul came out. 80% probably watched it the opening weekend because we were during COVID. So then you can kind of like drop into that mm. story and people are like, well, I, like, I just watched Soul. Like what, you know, and it's not really a commentary on Soul, but um, it is indirectly a commentary on Soul. Mm. Other formulas, you know, like I like to add parentheticals at the end. So like how to set goals, parentheses that actually works, mm. right? So where you can kind of like anticipate the reader objection in the parentheses, or you can just be like fully ironic, right? You could be like how to check your email parentheses in less than three minutes a day, right? So like to create that kind of irony where you're like semi-trolling people in the headline, they used to call that the curiosity <laughs> gap. So People's like, I want to know if they can see the headline and be like, I want to know how to check my email in under three, because it's so absurd, right? And you know, there's a difference between clickbait, mm-hmm. right? You have to deliver. If you're going to do like under three minutes, you, you have to have something that justifies why you use that. You like fool me once, fine. Fool me twice with a quick clickbaity, like unsubscribe. So you, you have to be careful. Um, and my ass is, oh, I try my hardest that they always deliver quality wise. Mm. So at least even if the headline's a little clickbaity, like the essay is going to be good. So like, you won't feel like you wasted your time. Another way that I always recommend to people is swipe files. I have like headline swipe files. So swipe file, for those of you who aren't familiar, is when you see it could be anything, you know, Charlie, you're a designer, you could see like a beautiful composition in a airport ad and you're like, ooh, I like the way they juxtapose these two colors and they put the, you know, they put the icon in some strange place, but it's really working. You take a picture of that with your camera and then it goes into your design swipe file. So I have swipe files for just for headlines. And so if I see so headlines and subject lines. So if I see a subject line that I like, I swipe it. And so I can always kind of go back and just look at ones, you know, one of my favorite, my favorite subject line ever is from my copywriting coach. He wrote the time I randomly partied with Snoop Dogg in Bel Air, something like that. Um, you know, yeah, so, I click on that. So yeah, it's just like <laughs> holy shit. And, and I think then you go in and you're like, well, what's that? Like, why is that so evocative? Like, you kind of study it. It's mm. it's just like eight words. Like, what is it about these eight words, right? Mm. So there's you know there's the celebrity angle, right? Snoop Dogg, and you could argue Bel Air as well because it kind of reminds a lot of people of that of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You also know there's the curiosity, like Bel Air, most people know is kind of a wealthy neighborhood. There's the element of like randomly partying with a celebrity, right? So like random encounters. And so you start to like see, and then if I really am feeling creative, I'm like, try to rewrite that headline into something that I would say. Ooh. Right? Okay. So, you know, I'm coming up from memory here, but like, the time I almost collided with Zac Efron while surfing, right? Which actually, because he surfed on my beach, 
It's like my unfortunate surf run in with Zach Efron, right? Or, you know, something like that. Uh, and then I can kind of pull it <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, I click on that too. Pull it back. I'm literally thinking of all the funny things that have happened in my life that I could like, how I could recreate these funny headlines in my head now. That's like where my brain is going. I'm like, ooh, what could I turn? What situation could I turn into a headline? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think when you watch other people's headlines, you'll watch things that cater to your interest. Mm which will, by definition, cater to your audience's interest. And so, you know, like it, for me, it's like a lot of like hip hop references and like, you know, what Cardi B taught me about my parenthood, right? Like you'd read that for sure, right? And, you know, it's very relevant. Cardi B is a mother of two. She's super top of mind right now. Anyone, uh, she's kind of, there's like a paradox because you don't like associate Cardi B as giving mother advice yeah. but as a mother you also know mothers have great motherhood advice mm. and then you could write any post about parenting there and just throw in a cardi b quote from something right so you start to see these forms like what blank celebrity taught me about blank skill i want to learn or skill my audience wants to learn mm. right so like charlie could do like like what little nas x taught me about composition right and you could like look at his sets at the vmas and be like, you'll notice how like he stands here and all the actions happening here. But like, then you're like, I just want like little Nas X VMA, VMAs click. Yeah. Like it almost does it as long as you deliver something <laughs> of mediocre value, <laughs> click, right? It just then becomes this formula. And so I would encourage readers to like swipe like 20 headlines. I use headlines and subject lines interchangeably. They're not totally interchangeable subject lines are a little bit shorter you know there's some nuance there but that's probably beyond the scope of this conversation but like if you ever see a headline that you like anywhere newspaper even like copy like i think airport copy is some of the best copywriting out there and so you can kind of like like click up for example it's like a tool that saves you one hour a week i'm like come on like that's like the most ludicrous claim click like i will definitely <laughs> click on anything that promises me that i can save a day a week and so you start to see that and then you can't it's like the rule of thirds you can't unsee it mm. i've just taught you what cardi b taught me about parenthood you can't unsee that for better for worse you've ruined us basically is what you're saying yeah <laughs> no or i've like given you like you know <laughs> yeah. the secret jewel I'm the hero coming back with it. You really have. Yeah. I'm like, remember, everyone's listening to this. You're giving these secrets <laughs> away, not just to us. <laughs> well, I bet. I mean, look, if you're a rad reader, go through filter by, you know, the send from email and you'll see that there is a formula. There's a different formula in each one. But if you read enough of them, you'll see like how to something I want with something not obvious, right? In a parenthetical. Mm how to get a six pack while drinking two beers every night, right? <laughs> what I want versus something ironic, ironic, and then find a way to tie it together as a writer. The tying together as a writer part is actually much easier. It's that framing of the actual headline itself. Mm. Damn. What was that? How to, how to drink a six pack? I got mixed up there. <laughs> <laughs> how to drink a six pack while having abs? How to yes. drink a six pack to get a six pack. Oh, there ah. we go. That is a great headline. <laughs> there we go. Look out for that in your inboxes for Rad Reads next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then you just start to see that, that there's their formulas, right? And I'm a big believer. A lot of this is inspired by copywriting. And, you know, for those of you who aren't, aren't familiar, copywriting is a little bit, it's, you know, how you use words. It's a segment of marketing, or you could say that technically it's the intersection of marketing and psychology. 
but it's how people use words to persuade you of something. So it's different than like a blog post is not copywriting. Buy ClickUp to save one day every week. That's copywriting. You're conveying or mm. persuading them of some idea. Usually it's a short number of words, like a headline, a subject line, or, or subheading. I've got to agree with Alejandro in the chat here saying, man, this is gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, look at Alejandro's photo. Oh, oh yeah. yeah look. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, that just made me really happy. Do you try to tailor your content so that it is as evergreen as possible? Because at this point, you have written so many different things. Do you try to keep it to the point where like something you wrote two years ago would still be something someone would want to click on now? Or because I know sometimes people worry about like, you put all this work into stuff. And it's kind of like the Netflix idea where you just Mm -hmm. you gather as much content as possible. And every time you add something, you're adding value to your brand. Mm -hmm. But it's not like, you know what I mean? But you also it's not valuable if it's only relevant two years ago. So yeah, it's a great question. I'm not I know the answer, but I'm not particularly good at doing, you know, so I'm the doctor who smokes Mm. in this example. (laughs) Do as I say, don't do as I do. (laughs) So a few things. In the old days, I used to try to get them all to fit. So I wanted this like the ultimate guide to goal setting that would be this evergreen post that would have SEO gravy in it that would also have delicious Charlie style infographics inside them. And it's like, that's like really difficult to do on a weekly basis with a small or non-existent team. Maybe you could do one of those a month, but it was really stressful to like try to do that every week to be like, not only is this going to be like a hooky thing that people like to read, but it's going to optimize for long tail SEO and all this other stuff. I basically gave that up. And so what I now try to do is like SEO is one of our big customer acquisition channels. So we will write an SEO post and it will replace the essay for that week. And we'll just know like this week, we're going to, I'm still going to come up with a sexy headline, but it's about like the GTD flowchart, right? So mm-hmm. the headline might be the simple flowchart that will save you, you know, an hour a day, right? Simple, you know, it's a very common, like a simple thing that will give you something that you really want. Right. And it honors the fact that it's an essay about a flowchart. <laughs> so that's kind of how we would do that. But that's really more of an SEO post. We don't want to do too many of those because honestly, that's not nearly as fun as what Cardi B taught me about parenthood. Mm. So we want to do way more of what Cardi B taught us about parenthood, but that is actually really poor on SEO, right? Like no one's searching, what does Cardi B know about parenthood? <laughs> so you got to be careful there. And so we kind of separate the writing in two categories. And for us, there's like, SEO, and then we call it thought leadership. And thought leadership is like Kay writes an essay. And the point of thought leadership is really more brand building. There might be a little, not virality, but like people will share it a lot. Mm -hmm. But it's also, this is the important thing, SEO is not fun to write. What Cardi B taught me about parenthood is actually fun to write. It doesn't feel like work. It takes like Mm -hmm. two hours if you're really flowing. The, uh, the, you know, GTD flowchart, that's like a seven hour post with lots of little tweaking and wordsmithing and, and all that. So stop trying to put them all into one. You're going to be, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, right? You're going to like not be great at SEO. Your readers are going to find it boring and you're not going to have fun writing it if you're going to try to put the three into one essay. So we acknowledge them and mm-hmm. we split them up and we'll do weekly thought leadership or like three weeks of thought leadership, one week of SEO. And then kind of that's like a good balance strategically. Mm. The other thing is the whole Twitter thing. You know, I've been thinking a lot about now repurposing. I have over 200 
50 unique blog posts. And as the creator, the artist in me, I'm like, like the minute it's like a week old, I'm like, stay away. This is garbage. Like, I'm so embarrassed (laughs) of that. You know, like one week younger version of myself had the audacity to write such a piece of shit. Um, So like, I never (laughs) want to see it again. But the reality is that there's a lot of gold in that in there. And so what we're trying to do now is we've never been good at this because it's a lot of like, you know, $10 work is repurposing things, repurposing them as tweets, repurposing them as Mm. maybe like Instagram quotes, like that kind of stuff. I'm not particularly good at social, but I see the value. Like I could hire the right person, relatively inexperienced person, and just be like, read through these 250 blog posts. And I want you to extract five things from every social channel from each post. That would be like two years worth of social posts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's been top of mind. That's why I've been kind of at least writing the essays in Twitter so that I can kind of like basically like try to never use something for just one channel. Like have the dominant channel that you're writing for. So in this case, blogging slash newsletter, but at least have it hit in one other channel and ideally in every channel, but that requires a team and a strategy. Wow. I'm wondering if there's any like quick fire bits of advice we want to give or that you want to give to creators for increasing open rates. Like you mentioned something before we started about cold subscribers, for instance. I don't know. What other things should creators pay attention to? Okay. I feel like it's cheating because I'll I'll like delete. We have a third. I'll delete 8,000. So like the the open rate will drop to like 51 and then I'll delete 8,000 colds. And the way you guys do the math, it goes back up. So (laughs) the quickest way to uh, boost your open rate is to delete your cold subscribers, which is good deliverability practice anyway. It saves you money. Do it, right? And I know it takes a big hit, right? If I didn't, I probably cleared out 38,000 cold subscribers. So my list size would be 75,000 with a 15% open rate, or I can't do that math quickly. That's a simple one, but that's good email hygiene. Do it. Mm-hmm. Put your ego in a little trap vault for a second while you do it. Yeah. Don't worry about those vanity metrics of the total list size, right? Yeah. Cold subscribers aren't buying anything from you anyway. I promise you that. That's one. The second would be the like the swipe file. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. swipe file and then try to extract the formulas from the swipe file. And really just like go copy it, right? Just like... I say formula, it's basically like take one of my old headlines and change two of the words, right? Or just use the same headline if, as long as you can back it up with the content. That would be another one. If you're less sensitive about the time at which you send it, I would encourage you to A-B test mm-hmm. because then you have to actually come up with two, right? And you'll see. And usually the A-B tests are pretty convincing. Do you A-B test all the time? No, I don't because well, I want everyone to read it at the same time. Right. So there would be that four hour gap. Or Oh, that's right. You said 9 a.m., right? Yeah. But for some like lower priority emails, I do A-B test. Mm. It's not systematized. So A-B testing, that would be another one. And I can do a lot of this mentally now, but I keep a zeitgeist tracker. So I basically like track trends that my audience cares about. Ooh. Right. So like right now, like what are people in my circle talking about? So right now they're talking about the new Game of Thrones. I haven't watched it, but guarantee if you write a headline that has some reference to the new Game of Thrones, like people are going to the open rates go up. So look for things 
that are happening in culture. So, you know, again, if your audience cares about this, but like celebrity breakups or good, good rap lyrics. and like Leonardo DiCaprio, there we go. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely. <laughs> Only dating women under the age of 25. I just yeah. saw that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I saw that thing. So, Did you see that graph? Yeah. I saw yeah. the graph. So yeah, that, I mean, look, the three of us have independently all seen that meme and we've probably follow very different people. Think about the power of that little observation mm. there that all three of us and, you know, Miguel, have you seen this graph on Leonardo DiCaprio? I haven't seen the graph, but I, I've heard the anecdote about that. I think my wife told me about it. There you go. <laughs> so right there, four different people with four different audiences. And there's an idea that everyone is familiar with. Leonardo DiCaprio broke up with his girlfriend slash Leonardo DiCaprio likes to date women under the age of 25. <laughs> So you could turn that, you can make it funny, right? Like the one thing Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't understand about calendars <laughs> or the one, the one thing Leonardo DiCaprio really gets about calendars, understands about calendars. You could write any to-do list article off of that headline. You could do something. If people really get it, you could play with this like 25 year, year idea. It's like, well, how to thrive as a creative woman when you're 26, right? <laughs> you know, things like that. Like you could play with that. But right there, look, you guys are laughing. Like, yeah. the fact that you're laughing means people are going to open that shit. I would click on these. Right? And obviously, you have to deliver with, like, you can't just have that. And then, or that could even be your thing. Like, you come up with, like, funny subject lines and you just have, like, a list of articles. You could even just honor it in your opening sentence. It's like, yeah, today we shout out Leonardo DiCaprio. We're going to tell you about our latest Figma tricks, right? <laughs> you don't even have to write an essay about it. Just as long as you tell them why that subject line is there. Why it's in the subject. Mm. Right. Or else people are going to think you're just, you're clickbaiting them. Yeah. And the other, I mean, it's not sexy, it's not flashy, but just being consistent, mm. right? Just like when you are a part of someone's routine, and that really means like sending it at the same time. When you're a part of someone's routine, then they notice when you're not there. And I think a big part of the open rate in my instance is that, people, it's just a habit, right? It's like brushing mm -hmm. your teeth. It's just like, oh, Kay sends an email. I'm going to find something I like in it. I'm going to open it. So maybe all this yeah. subject line stuff is a bunch of witchcraft. And what it really is, is just, you know, I've sent it for 357 weeks and, and the rest. The consistency. Yeah. There was a period of time where if I didn't see Tim Ferriss's Five Bullet Friday newsletter, I was like, I knew I was missing something. I was like, mm -hmm. what's missing today? Is my email broken? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, what is he eating today? You know? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. So the, that habit it is a good one. And then I don't do this well, but I'm starting to do it more. It's just reminding people on social that you have a newsletter, right? I think we just assume because we spent four hours writing your newsletter that everyone on the internet spent four hours thinking about your newsletter. <laughs> and so like, even like with our launch sequences, we'll send like 37 emails in a 10 day period, all about buying this course. And people will email me and say like, Hey, when's your next course starting? <laughs> I'm like, you haven't read, read the 37 emails I've just sent you. And like, either they're in spam or their mind's not there. They haven't connected the two, right? Just remember that people, you can never remind people enough that you have a newsletter or that you wrote a thing. We assume that the amount of energy we spend thinking about it, others do. And the reality is like, no one gives a fuck about your thing. So just like show it to them as many times in a, you know, any way till Sunday in a way that is respectful. 
then they'll actually be glad that you reminded them that you have a thing. I love it. Wow. Okay. I feel like this episode has been essentially a free masterclass for us all (laughs) on writing subject lines and yeah, ways to increase open rates. So thank you so much, Kate, for everything you shared. We usually end with a listener shout out and uh, I was going to shout out Jay for his amazing, what did he call it? Brutally honest audit Mm -hmm. that he set up. You already did that for me at the start. So now you get the space. What do you want to shout out? What are you working on right now? I'm going to bring radreads.co, I believe is, or is it .com? Redreads.co. That's yeah. We're not big time yet. (laughs) So, oh, I want to shout out. It's so there's a book that I bought in 2002. I was a bushy, uh, a bright eyed, bushy tailed college graduate. I walked into a Barnes and Nobles in Union Square in New York with cash and bought the book Getting Things Done by David Allen. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of one of these seminal productivity books. I read it. Usually like once a year, I'll like re-skim it. One of the questions I ask myself in anything I do is what would be considered cheating, Mm. right? Uh, And again, no morals were broken in this, but it's just like, what's something that's like, you know, that works so well that other people don't haven't figured out or don't know. And still like understanding the basic concepts of David Allen's GTD is like cheating because most people don't understand them. And so I bring that up because we are interviewing David Allen on Monday September 12th, 8 a.m. Pacific, so 11 a.m. Eastern. If you just go to radreads.co and sign up, there should be a banner there. But signing up for any of our channels will get you reminded about that event. Uh, You know what I just did? I just bought it because I had never read that book. So there you go. It's like cheating. It took me a whole two seconds. Oh, we should have got Kay to drop you an affiliate link or something. Uh, damn it. Sorry. <laughs> I know. This, oh, I really need those six cents, Haley. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kay, for everything you shared. And yeah, looking forward to... Is it a webinar thing you're doing? It's a live interview. Live interview. Amazing. It's a live interview. So you'll have the ability to upvote questions. Ooh. I'll be interviewing him and the, the audience can upvote questions and then we'll share it on YouTube when it's done. Exciting. I'm curious though, real quick, Kay, before we move on, mm. how long... Until you met when once you like you read that book, you said college, you were Yeah, I just graduated. Just graduated. How long did it take until you actually met David? Oh, I met him for the first time like two months ago. Wow. Oh, okay. So you've been a fan. So this is not just a big deal in general. It's also a big deal for you. It's a big deal for me to interview one of my icons. He's also like just the warmest, nicest, sweetest guy. So yeah, and then it's a super big deal that he then agreed to like. I don't even want to guess what uh, his speaking rate is. He's been kind to not ask for his speaking rate for our community. So it's a double bonus. Wow. That I get to share his wisdom live with our community. Amazing. Very cool. I'm excited. I'm going to join that. Awesome. Love it. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll see you back here. Join live. Like Haley said, you can see her popping on and off when the kids are around. (laughs) It didn't happen today. Didn't happen today. There we go. He was here the whole time. 12.30 12.30 Eastern Time on youtube.com slash convertkit. We'd love to see you here. Check out Kay at radreads.co. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. 
We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.